You're listening to Mr. Radio, and I'm your host, Marshall. 808, auto-tune, bars, beat, beatbox, bite, boom-bap, break, cipher, disc, DJ, MC, flow, freestyle, hook, mixtape, rap, remix, rhyme, sample, spit, swing, vibe, and whack. Welcome to the world of hip-hop. Heritage Hip Hop currently has over 100 episodes available for download on the iTunes podcast platform. And according to its website, it is the podcast that celebrates the hip hop culture by celebrating the stories behind your current and future favorite artist. Heritage Hip Hop was created to not only celebrate the known artists, but those that people may not know that have contributed to building the hip hop culture. When not working on his hip hop podcast, Today's guest is also a teacher and a budding author, who in his own words is putting life together as the journey of life moves on. His podcast has featured international artists such as Lady P, MC Dre, Natasha Beckley, Gabby B, Billy Dans, Cassidy, and most recently Justin Hunt, the brand ambassador for Hip Hop DX. It is my honor to introduce today's guest, Karev from Heritage Hip Hop. Welcome to the show, Karev. How are you doing? Thank you. Well, I'm so glad that you're able to be with us today. My first question for you is, how old were you when you when you were first introduced to hip-hop? Probably around three years old. I'm an MTV generation. <laughs> Was uh, MTV being played by your parents or, or just you? My brother and sister. And who was the first hip-hop MTV uh, video artist that influenced you everybody was influenced by run dmc but the song that made me go crazy when i was young was it takes two by rob bass dj easy rock it takes two what about that made an influence on you it was a great beat it was a it was a great video it was fun it was a very fun video now also i was listening to your interviews and in eighth grade, you read the autobiography of Malcolm X. How did how did this book change your life? In eighth grade, I got introduced to Muslim culture because, and I went to a I went to a, a Catholic school, and I was only taught that way. So, by reading the autobiography of Malcolm X, especially in eighth grade, that's when the movie came out for uh, for me. So when, by reading that book, I got a different perspective on a, a person's life and journey and finding God and themselves and their purpose. So it, it forms me to want to do the same thing. So this was an assigned reading in eighth grade? No. This is something I read on my own. How did you find out about the book? After watching the Malcolm X movie. I believe my brother may have gotten the book for me. Currently... You're doing research about uh, hip-hop in New Jersey. What are some of the major influences that New Jersey hip-hop has had on this style? On well, hip-hop itself? Yeah. Well, um, the first record label came out of New uh, A hip-hop record label came out of New Jersey. That was Sugar Hill Records, owned by Sylvia Robinson. They went out to Sugar Hill Gang. You know, that's, that's Jersey history. More recently, New Jersey's always been the measuring bar for people to come and test their skills to be considered good or not. You know, a lot of um, known artists come to New Jersey to 
sharpen their stilgar blades to see if they're good enough to take on the industry. Now, you mentioned Sugar Hill. Was that located in Englewood or, or in Newark? Oh, no, that was, I think, um, Englewood, New, Jer- Englewood, New Jersey. In addition to running your podcast, which I want to talk about in a few minutes, you're also a budding author. What kind of uh, writing project are you currently working on? I want to write something based on the art of the interview. I think um, a lot of people have podcasts, but they don't fully tap into their potential because a conversation and an interview can be the same thing. And first impressions are more meaningful, but connecting to the person that you're interviewing is very essential to having a great interview. Well, I must say that you have over 100 podcasts listed already on iTunes, and you have a very, very impressive uh, interview style, and I think you get a lot of information out of your guests. You do it very well. Thank you. One of the interviews, Key Chandler, is that correct? Keith Chandler. Yeah. You explored the the relationship to education and the hip-hop movement, and you're also involved in education. Do you incorporate hip-hop into any of your education uh, happenings? Yes. Um, A great teacher will let their their, their, their students be themselves. So hip-hop is a form of expression. I'm sure you know your best teacher was the one that let you be yourself and then try to pigeonhole you into a seat. So, of course, as a in hip-hop, you, our MC is call and response. You know, you want the crowd to get into the show. Well, I like the, the students to get into the, into the class so they can have fun. And I also want them to know that their expression is what makes the class better. We learn not from a book. We learn from our experiences. Learning by doing, I think. Uh-huh. Now, have you had any particular experiences that you might want to share in your in your classroom? <laughs> I'm a preschool teacher. So the one thing I like to do, I like to have the energy up into the class. So, you know, kids, get they get loud. But call and response is very important. So I always say, <clears throat> are you ready? <laughs> the kids answer back. I know I have them hook, line, and sinker, and they'll watch me, and they'll have fun, and they'll want to they'll want to um, participate in everything in the classroom. How many kids do you have in the classroom right now? Fifteen. Has the uh, pandemic influenced any of of your styles in in the teaching? Just being online, I hate it, but. Uh, I still find music and things for the kids to dance to and watch and help them, you know, help reinforce things that we're learning. The interview that I was listening to, you stated that one thing I find about people who are educated in hip hop, people think we talk over them while not talking to them. I don't, or at least I hope I'm not one of those people, but after listening to your shows, I have to admit that I'm not familiar with much of the terminology that's that's being used, and probably terminology is the wrong word right there, but you'll have to be patient with me. But am I wrong in thinking that hip-hop terminology is evolving on almost a daily basis? Yes. Yes. Um, our, our words and our understanding of things changes not only with... Um, 
our style, but technology as well. Like who knew five years ago what a TikTok was, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And um, look what Google has done has changed the game of vocabulary. So as style and and expression changes, you're going you're going to get new words and you're going to get new new um, understanding of things every day, and it's never going to change. In new words and different styles, you also discussed the unique differences between Jersey City hip-hop and New York City hip-hop. And you're from Newark. What makes Newark unique from those two cities? <laughs> that's, 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 you said New York City, Jersey City, and Newark, New Jersey. Right. Okay. New York City is not really a city. <laughs> New York City is, I call it the Game of Thrones. It's, they're different kingdoms all with different personalities. So Brooklyn, the Bronx, Manhattan, Spanish, Harlem, all that, they all have their own personalities, you know? So depending on what side of that personality you're from, that'll determine how you, how you rhyme or how you, how you um, present yourself when it comes to New York. Jersey City and North New Jersey is like trying to compare a pit bull and a Tasmanian devil. It's two different animals. They are very, um, they are very lyrical. They are, they are aggressive, but depending on what side of the cities that you're on, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to get a different understanding of how that person or how that area is represented. When they when they rhyme. If you had a blind or a taste test of of hip hop music, would you be able to tell whether what you're listening to is coming from Jersey City, San Francisco, or Newark? Yep, most definitely. By the speed of the delivery, by the the words, what are you looking for? The spirit of the song, the wordplay, the beat. Cadence, rhythm, words, vernacular, all of that. That's one thing that I was not aware of, but after listening to your podcasts, that I got a little bit of education on that. You also, you also said that hip-hop is full of participants and not artists. What did you mean by that? An artist is somebody who makes art, whether it's music drawings, pictures, they do it as a form of expression. A participant is somebody who does something just because they can. An artist takes their art serious, and they would put it out and put it in a way where not only they can be influential, but they do it through influence. A participant, once again, does something just because they can. And it doesn't mean that they love it. They just do it because they because it's there for them to do. Do you think that there are currently some mainstream participants versus mainstream artists? Yep. Yes, I do. What turns you off about the participants? Hip-hop is very serious to me because it's more than music. So people who just participate, they will not do their best to give their best. They'll just do something to achieve, achieve nothing but what people call clout chasing, which is 
to be popular for a certain reason. You know, like um, for me, real hip hop to me is like the expression of God through what we do and our music and our style and our culture. When you're just a participant, you don't care about that. You just are doing something for nothing. I'll tell you a better example. Um, so I have a hundred podcast episodes on iTunes. I also have a thousand videos on YouTube. Now, there's people who, when I go to interview them, I could tell they're a participant because they don't take themselves serious. So I can't, you know, but the people who are serious, they're the ones who want to, they are the ones that want to market themselves. They are the ones who want to travel the world and share their gift, not just do something and just be out and about, make a couple of dollars and then just leave, you know. I hope to get back to uh, making a couple of dollars later on, but I just wanted to, to ask you about history. You describe heritage hip-hop as a media movement that started from the lack of documentation of New Jersey's hip-hop history. Where was the first documented hip-hop performance in New Jersey? And, and perhaps performance is not the correct term. I should probably be saying something besides performance. The first documented performance of hip-hop in New Jersey? Yes. That, I don't know. Because there's not one place in New Jersey you can, you can get that answer from. Um, it could be in Newark because of the city being right there. It could be in Jersey City with New York City being right there. It could be in Inglewood where they had Sugar Hill Records and people came there to audition for Sylvia Robinson. I mean, it's, it's, it's a surreal interesting question. Let's get back to one of your most popular iTunes episodes on Heritage Hip Hop. It was episode mm. 93 with Dress of Black Sheep. What do you think makes that episode so popular? Him. He's, a, he's one of the most respected MCs um, from uh, hip-hop. In that episode with Dress, he mm-hmm. talks about different slangs and he talks about different variations of whatever region offers in the hip-hop. Would a newcomer to hip-hop, for instance, me, I consider myself a newcomer, would I be able to pick up on seemingly subtle aspects of hip-hop? You said that you were able to pick up on those aspects, but what are the clues? You mentioned some clues, but what clues would I have to pick up on to realize, oh, that's coming from New York, or that's coming from Brooklyn, or that's coming from Jersey City? Style. St- style of style of beat and style of um, words. Uh, that, that, that's the West, the thing that is missing when it comes to hip-hop, because the internet is so big, people have copied a lot. But if you know the areas that people are from, you have an understanding of the type of music that they they rhyme to. Like um, out west, they used to use horns. They were really parliament funkadelic influence. Out in New York, New Jersey, were boom baps. We like heavy drums. Uh, Miami was bass music. Uh, down uh, down in the Midwest and in the South, that's what those blues players. So they had a lot of live instrumentation in their music or in their beats. So they played their beats out with instruments. So that is like a, a key to understanding area. And and like I said, the slang that they use will always let you know what type of 
what side of the country those people are from. Earlier, we were talking about business, and Dress also commented about the business side of hip-hop. I think he criticized the gatekeepers of hip-hop when he said, We've taken a lot of power out of DJ's hands. DJ's used to be the cats that introduced us to new music, and every week they introduced us to new dope stuff. Now it's all syndicated, and everyone's playing the same thing, and we think it's a hit, not because it's dope, but because it's got 10 zillion views. Do you agree with that? Yes, I do. In what way has getting 10 zillion views influenced the business? Well, if something's catching to the eye, <laughs> they're going to... You, ever, you know how you like you, 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 you wring out a wash rag and you wring it dry? Mm-hmm. That's what basically it is. Somebody will make something catchy to the eye and they'll put it out in front of you so it can be maximized. And it doesn't even mean that it's good. It just means that it's popular. That's the difference between good music and a, and, 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 and a, and a one-hit wonder. <laughs> so... The DJ used to dictate what was dope or what was good. And he would break the records. Now, it's this thing is popular. So let's maximize this one thing so it can stay popular and let's get a couple of dollars off of it. And then the soul of it is gone. It's just, it's just um, reduplicating something broken. You also, in that interview, you discussed the native tongue and the era of collaboration. Can you explain the importance of that group? Well, the native tongues were like some of the, that's some of the original crews in hip hop. Uh, Black Sheep, De La Soul, Moni Love, Queen Latifah, the Jungle Brothers, Charcoal Quest, and um, of course Black Sheep. And um, what they did was they were a bunch of artists who came together to establish a crew that um, had the standard of hip-hop. And we don't really see that too much anymore because the love of it may not be as strong because of the business side of it. And now, something that was made out of love and commitment has turned into something that's just to pay bills. And people think that they have to fight for um, views or fight for, for money which is sad and pathetic, but that that took away a lot. You know, um, collaboration is always going to make something great because as one person can influence another person, something great can come from it. And without collaborating, we would never have any of the music that we have today. In addition to Native Tongue and all of the artists that you mentioned in that collaborative group. There's also Fife Dog. What made Fife Dog an influencer on hip-hop? <laughs> Fife Dog passed away a couple years ago. So rest in peace to Fife Dog. And, and, I, Fife, I, and he, was not, he was not murdered. He, he died from an illness, I believe. Yeah, he died um, so diabetic. Yeah. He's a diabetic. Um, what made Fife so interesting is when Trout Called Quest first came out, he didn't really rhyme too much. But when their second album, Low End Theory, came out, he was the voice that 
came out of nowhere and, and he just took off, you know. And um, as Tribe matured and even to break up and come back together, Fife was unapologetic. He he put his himself. He put himself and his love into everything he did. You could tell by how he rhymed and he, even what he stood for when it came to the music. So Fife will forever be remembered as someone who not only elevated himself or his group or hip hop. He's someone who took his love for sports, music, and um, just being an honest, genuine stand-up character and being that inside the music and outside of it, too. Am I incorrect in using rappers and hip-hop in the same phrase? Mm, depends on what you're talking about. Well, my next question maybe just deals with rappers more, but they seem to have a long history of becoming incarcerated for crimes ranging from murder to petty theft, but now add freedom of speech to this list. I just read a recent news item in The Guardian, and it reports that in Spain, rapper Pablo Hassel has been convicted of glorifying terrorism and insulting the monarchy. And the article goes on to say that in Spain, some rappers have started to censor themselves because they don't want to go to jail. People are scared to write songs that stand up to power. And that's really sad. In a democracy in the 21st century, governments should support music, even if it goes against power and it makes them uncomfortable. What are your thoughts on this? Do you find that hip-hop artists, rappers in this country are starting to censor themselves? Um... Not starting to censor themselves, no. I don't think they're censoring themselves. We had Lil Nas X, who was not considered to be hip-hop by me, but he's just an artist I can bring up who has a video where he kills the devil <laughs> and takes his horns and gives those lap dances with Satan. Like You know what I'm saying? That's not censorship. But in this country, because in this city, young, quote-unquote, black and brown men and women have um, always wanted to have their opinions and voices heard. They have, you know, people have used their status as rappers against them. Uh, there was a guy named Keith Murray. Keith Murray is a rapper, and the judge, and when a judge sent him to church to jail because he was a rapper. And what happened was, in the case, from what I understand, Somebody said that he threw a um, somebody threw a bar stool and hit somebody, and because he was the rapper, he took the um the blame. You know, um, there's people who have um rapped about violence, and people have tried to censor them, but the but the but the artists will tell you, well, in movies they shoot people all the time, so why don't you get on them? You know, um, it's sad that that is a reality. Um, the, the gentlemen that you're talking about in the other country, I don't know their, I don't know their, uh, the, the laws of their land. So that one I'm going to try to stay away from. But in this country, I will say that there's a, there, there should be a bigger responsibility for what is being said and what is being given to the public. Because everything given is not good. And, and you could influence anybody and everybody with a good or bad look, word, or deed. 
So I think that's something we should take a little more serious. I'd like to get back to technology. I recently watched a video on your on your site, which I thought was pretty slick in terms of the use of technology. What role does technology play in today's hip-hop? It's everything. Uh, look, look, look at how the iPhone has changed how they, people shoot music videos. People are shooting videos with HD phones. <laughs> so a DSLR camera bundle will cost you $1,200 and you can buy a phone for seven, eight hundred dollars, which is four hundred dollars cheaper, to shoot a better quality video with it. You know, um, and with that phone, not only are you shooting videos, you can shoot videos of yourself dancing, which is content. Um, you have become with technology so self-sufficient that what was hard at one time to do, because you had to go to other people for it. You could now do yourself, even with studios. People could take a laptop and make a song. Now, of course, you still got to go out and get it mixed and mastered and all that stuff because you want, if you, like I said, a participant doesn't care. They just put it out. But an artist would do their best to put their best out. So the technology has made it more accessible and easy to do things, and it is giving people a chance to express themselves and find their voices or their character. We're almost running out of time here, but I, I have... Actually, I have about 50 more questions for you, but uh, I'm, I'm going to skip to maybe one that might be important. They're all important, but how is hip-hop related to social justice? Hip-hop was born out of social justice because uh, gang fights and death and people wanted to stop dying. People didn't care. So the inner city took it upon itself to start something where people could stop dying and dance and party. And even with that, we had people who rapped about the government, lack of education, starving, drugs, and how the community needs to be saved and bettered. So hip-hop will always go hand-in-hand with social justice, and it'll never, it'll never separate. Unfortunately, we're, we have just about run out of time, but before I leave... Perhaps you'd like to give a shout-out to all the people who are working on your website and also to explain how we can get to your website if we want to learn more about hip-hop. Sure. Shout-out to everybody who's ever been on Heritage Hip-Hop and who can, and who will come to Heritage Hip-Hop because you help make it important. The website is heritagehiphop.com, and you can follow us at Heritage Hip-Hop everywhere. Just Google it, and we will we will appear. And you've got a team working with you. You're not doing this all by yourself, are you? Primarily. Well, that's a, that's a lot of work. Karev, I'm so happy that you were able to take the time to speak with me, and now I'd like to come full circle and close with the signature outro from your show. Thanks again, and I hope to hear from you again real soon. Me too. Thank you for the interview. This is Karev from Heritage Hip Hop saying peace. And we out. You've been listening to Mr. Radio. 
and I'm your host, Marshall. This program was written and produced by Marshall. Our theme music was played by Ululation. Mr. Radio is available wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. And don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Mr. Radio. Mr. Radio.